Hello, welcome to the Free Will Science and Religion podcast. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with George Ortega, Mitch J, David Joseph, and Trick Slattery. And we have two little topics that we're going to cover in this episode. Um, the topic of people believing in partial free will, like that we don't have complete free will, but we still have a partial free will that sometimes we can choose to override our genetics and conditioning, which is, which is an insane thing. But also, I was recently watching the movie, the documentary Fed Up, you know, about, about sugar being more addictive than cocaine and contributing to obesity, making people eat more. This leads to an interesting idea, because if people had a free will, then there wouldn't be addiction to sugar or cocaine or alcohol or tobacco. People could just choose to override these addiction things that are causing them to, to smoke or drink or eat sugar. And this is interesting, because what we ought to do is think about how a person's belief in free will relevant to the obesity and sugar, um, how this is. Because if people had a complete free will, they would be o able to override addictive sugary foods. Well, Mitch, Mitch introduced the, because there's, there's two kinds of partial free will. You know, Chandler, the one you alluded to that, that, you know, people think that, well, not everything is up to us, but some things are. And the second partial free will is that some part of every decision is. Some part of every decision may not be, but some part is. So we might want to address that, I guess, first, or? Okay, yes. So those who believe in free will usually make several concessions, right? It's clear in life that there are many things we cannot control. We can't control the weather. We can't control our circulatory system. We can't control the release of chemicals. Uh, within our bodies, we can't control the electrical signals that go through our neural network. Yet somehow, um, when free will advocates talk about this idea of partial free will, what they mean is that in some circumstances, you can. And when I say some circumstances, they mean when you were conscious, so when you're awake and you're aware of what you're doing, and when you were confronted with a decision, that moment, there is some way that you can overcome all those other influences, the chemistry, the, the electricity, the environmental factors, internal, external, and therefore you are responsible for what you do. And as we've said many times before, the reason why that is, is bunk is because how would you do it? Where is this mechanism? And how could there possibly be a mechanism? And even if you could control that mechanism, what controls that? So to be responsible, you have to be able to control everything and then the thing before it and so on and so on. It's a logical absurdity. Yeah, um, they, they would have to provide some proof that what they are doing is th that they've made a choice independent of their genetics and conditioning, independent of anything outside of their control eat for that small amount. And how they would demonstrate this, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think well, most of the people that uh, side with the um, partial free will thing are compatibilists. So what they tend to do is they, they derive their own definition of free will that is kind of compatible with this notion that where our genetics and our environment, um, but it doesn't really escape from what Mitch says regarding 
the compatibilists seem to believe that it does. They they seem to believe that it leads to this this responsibility that it, it really doesn't, and that's the problem that I see with the compatibilist definition. But but basically, when when they say partial free will, they're saying if someone doesn't have a gun to your head, you're freer to make a decision than if you have a gun to your head. So therefore, you have this. Uh, uh, your will is kind of free, I guess, in that in that regard, because it's not constrained by the gun. But it's but they're not they're kind of just bypassing the fact that it's restrained by all these other factors. Yeah, factors that we can't see. And I I think there's an empirical way of refuting the claim rather than going to sugar. If we if we address alcohol, and it may not, for example, like there there are various tasks that a person can be assigned to do under the influence of alcohol, you know, basically their lack of ability to do them as well under the influence would clearly demonstrate that the alcohol is, you know, basically hijacking their quote unquote will, that, that it's, you know, it's not allowing them to do something as they, as their will would, would like them to do. Now, the, the, the key point here is that the alcohol level has to be at a certain amount, you know, because they might say, well, with low levels of alcohol, you know, I can certainly, you know, perform a task, you know, proficiently, but, but the key, what, what we're trying to say is, fine, there's, there's a certain level of any kind of like neurological behavior response, you know, uh, workings, functionings that will, that will then determine, you know, how well we do something or whether or not we, we do what we do. Yeah, the difference being is is that one is more aligned with the norm and the other one isn't. So when someone is under the influence of alcohol, that isn't um, considered by everybody else as being in control because it's this other chemical. Even though without the alcohol, it's really your brain chemistry and, and your neurology that, that is, is causally affecting your decisions anyway. Um, it's just not affecting it in this kind of skewed way that the alcohol is. So that's the main difference, but they're both constrained by your, you know, you know, whatever brain chemistry you have or neural setup that you have in your brain at the time. Right. They make the mistake of thinking that when they're not under the influence of alcohol, then they're using their free will and that somehow alcohol is diminishing their free will. But they're still missing that they're not in control of their own brain chemistry to begin with that leads them to make the decisions they do. Correct. Yeah. Um, and uh, what, one thing that's very important is that when a person makes a lifestyle change, people will accuse them of using free will. You know what I'm saying? Because somebody could do this with me and say, like, for example, they would say, Chandler, well, when you went vegan, you were using your free will. You know, they could try to accuse me of that. But the, but the whole point is I was not in control of either the culture that I was born into that that taught me to that eating animal products is normal, nor was I responsible for the information that came my way um, of how the animals were being treated and for that reasons of cruelty made me go vegan. Right. Or another way to put it is you, you couldn't have done otherwise than go vegan. There, you, you didn't have the will, the free will to choose something other than what you've chosen. You, if we were to go back in time right before the decision, you couldn't have this decided, oh, no, I'm not going to go vegan at that point. <laughs> There's no way the, the, the causality prior led to that decision. 
Right, because when they do that, what they're trying to say is that there was no reason I went vegan. Right. Which is insane, although if there was no reason, that'd be random. That wouldn't be free will. <laughs> I was just going to say, I've kind of experienced something similar to that myself. Um, when I'm arguing with people on YouTube, they kind of come back with, um, well, if, if there's no free will, why isn't everyone addicted to, to alcohol? Or why isn't everyone addicted to sugar? Why is it just certain people that get fat? You know, it's, it's kind of... Um, kind of weird I, I, I don't know how they can uh, can not see the causal connections between certain things so they'll accept that there's some environmental conditions or genetic predispositions but up to a certain point it's almost like a like a truncated version of, of free will the counter to that obviously if you know when when we when you are bet by such uh, opposition the reason why some people do what they do is because of who they are because of their physical brains that they possess and because of the way they in particular were impacted by particular factors. That's why they become who they become. I am not addicted to sugar because I do not have the brain of someone who was addicted to sugar. I'm not willing myself to not be addicted to sugar. It just doesn't appeal to me. How could I possibly take credit for the fact that I happen to be someone who is not addicted to a substance. Right. So we could, we could actually say the same thing for, say, like a murderer. So someone would have to be pretty unlucky to, to, to be in the mindset of wanting to murder someone. Absolutely. Yeah. And here's the deal. When they, they try to use this example, oh, well, some people choose differently. Therefore, they try to use that as an example of free will. But that only means one of two things. Either their nature or their nurture is different. If their nature is different, they have different genetics that, that cause them to have a, a different food preferences or a different sexual preference or whatever that might be. Um, that's one thing. The other thing is that people experience different, different nurture. They were taught different things. They've had different experiences. And because everybody is different, both in nature and nurture, then that automatically means that, yes, there are going to be differences among people. But if people had this free will, well, then you wouldn't, it would mean it would be irrelevant to their genetics and their, their conditioning. Yeah, actually, Chandler, we can turn that argument against them. One form of the argument is like because so many people can, let's say, you know, eat sugar, drink alcohol, whatever, without becoming addicted – that means that everyone should, and so we, that justifies our blaming those who can't. But we can turn that around and say, well, you know, if, if everyone, you know, let's say we, we assume that everyone wants to, um, you know, cut their sugar intake, their alcohol intake, their food intake, and, and many people can't. Let's say with, with food, let's say the vast majority or a majority can't. That's a clear indication, you know, it's turning that argument, you know, from responsibility of, of the person to showing that no, that you have vast numbers of people that aren't able to do this. And so that that basically would negate the, the free will of, of pretty much all of them. Yeah, I think I, a lot of people um, don't understand that that the, really that we are creatures of habit pretty much um, so, so this whole addiction thing kind of relates to habit as well we, we, we kind of build habits into our like throughout our history habits are built and we kind of just repetitively go along these habits and do do, this, do these things automatically based on you know our, our brain structure uh, 
strengthening certain neuro synapses, basically. So we have these, these synapses that are strengthened in our brain that create the habit, and then we, we start doing the habit, and, and it just it re-strengthens that habit over and over and over until it's an automatic thing. And then when we try to, even, and we, even when we want to stop that, that habit from happening, it's, it's very difficult to change those structures in our brain. So it's, it's, it's almost, you know, it's, it's like an uphill battle to do that. So we can't even, you know, get past that type of thing. Well, another, yeah, please. Yeah, well, see, repetition is very important because you'll find that the habits that people have tend to stem from things that they've heard over and over again and, and, and seen other people do over and over again. And I think this is part of why it's so difficult to change a belief system, for example, you know, leaving religion or to, or to change your diet, because there is a habit that's built up over time through repetition, like Trick was saying. Yeah, so I was just going to jump in here. So, so another issue to take into account is that, you know, as we often say, free will only makes sense, um, only has a meaning within the context of responsibility. So anytime you can demonstrate um, that a particular version of free will, whether it's a compatibilist viewpoint or not, makes responsibility meaningless, then free will no longer means anything. So for, for example, so what we've been discussing so far is that most people concede, almost everyone concedes by and large, that people are, are impacted by several influences, internal, meaning within the body and external, outside of the body. But yet, at some, somehow, we can overcome these factors. But perhaps the free will advocates, even if we play devil's advocate and allow for whatever partial free will is, they are understating the impact of all these influences. So an analogy I've used in the past, hopefully I have it more polished now, is a basketball analogy. So when you're playing basketball, if you're the offensive player, if you're taking a shot, and the defensive player taps you, even lightly, just in the slightest bit on your palm while you were attempting to shoot, that is called a foul. Every single person who is watching the basketball game agrees that we can't blame the offensive player for missing the shot because the defensive player tapped him on the palm, even though it was a really, really light touch. So the point I'm trying to make is we are constantly being fouled. We are constantly being bombarded by incredibly powerful influences. What is more influential than the brain you have? What is more influential than all the chemicals that are coursing through you? What is more influential than, let's say you're 30 years old, 30 years of memories and ideas and belief systems that have turned you into who you are? So, if, so even if you sort of you know, allow for partial free will, there really is no way you could say that someone should be able to overcome those factors. Right. Because what they're trying to say is that somehow you could override 30 years of conditioning in an instant, basically. Yeah, and one, one um, defense a free will believer might present to that is, well, you know, I concede that I don't have free will all the time, but, for example, there's sometimes when... I'm trying to make the shot and the person taps my palm and I am able to make it so that in certain cases, you know, I, I am exerting my quote unquote free will. Ah, a very good point. But in basketball, if, the, if, you're taking a, if you're taking a shot, a jump shot, and the defensive player fouls you, 
and you make the shot, it's still a foul. So we recognize when we're watching the game of basketball as sports fans, as human beings, we recognize it doesn't make any sense to hold the offensive player responsible for whether the shot goes in or not if the defensive player has affected him. The fact that there was one influence, despite it being that slight, it's enough to perturb his jump shot and throw it off. So we can't blame him. Yeah. Right, so when it, yes, please. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yet when it comes to, I'm just going to finish up the same point, just bringing it back around. Yet when it comes to us, we are under many more influences. But Greater the free right compatibilists would then blame it on the uh, defensive person. They, they, they'd say, oh, well, then they're the person that's to blame because they're affecting the other person. So it's the same thing with the, you know, they did blame the person that's holding the gun to the, to the person's head, right? So that's, that's, that, and that's, that's, that's why this, these words like responsibility kind of, they're kind of ambiguous words where we really have to narrow down what we mean by them because um, compatibilists say that, oh, the last cause, you know, whoever, whoever, whatever person is the last cause of something could be the responsible person. And they kind of missed the point on that, that, that we mean it in the kind of the, the dessert sense of the word responsibility, where we're saying the person deserves what they get or, or doesn't deserve what they get. Or, well, I think in Mitch's uh, example that the influence was in fact a person, but that was just, you know, an illustration many times, you know, in most times, as a matter of fact, that influence wouldn't be a person. So, I mean, we could, you know, logically assign blame to, you know, the chemistry that, that makes us do whatever we do. Um, and that, that, I guess, would, would fit into to a certain kind of like, um, you know, philosophy that, well, we're not to blame, but something is. But right. um, but but Mitch, I mean, yeah, you were you were addressing the responsibility component. So I, I definitely see how, like, you know, the foul is, is nonetheless committed, how regardless of whether we're able to succeed with our will or not. But in addition to that, in terms of the logic of it, you know, that um, we can't we can't will or decide when it is that we'll be able to, like, overcome the influence of, of the of the tap on the palm and, and make the shot and not. That's the thing. We can't, you know, in other words, like to have a free will would mean that like any time and any time we wanted to overcome an influence on our behavior, it would be within our power to do that. Absolutely. And getting back to the, the topic of addiction, free will believers, when it comes to addiction, they draw a line in the sand. They say at a certain point, at a certain point, we understand a person is incapable of overcoming uh, the addiction. Perhaps it's a chemical addiction. At a certain point, that chemical dependency is too great. But they say before that point, you have control. So that is the difference, right? The difference from their perspective between, uh, between an addict and someone who is not an addict is that the addict has been overwhelmed by those factors. Now it's too late to invoke your free will. Right. But they before, might say that their free will has been compromised at that point. Yes, your free right. will is. But then the answer, the answer to that would be, well, you know, I don't think, you know, let's say we, we start with the premise that let's say nobody wants to become addicted to something that's very harmful, very destructive. So then the, the question would be, why would anyone exactly. allow themselves freely to, to, to let it reach that point where they are addicted? Yeah. Why would you do that? 
why exactly. Would, why why would anyone do what they don't want to do? Why would you not do what you want to do if you have free will? What is what is free will if it can't allow you to do that which you want to do? <laughs> yeah. Good point, Mitch. And here's another thing that's very important. For example, that I want to mention in my life is that, for example, I even though I eat healthier than most, I, I'm not always paying perfect attention to the food labels of the food I'm buying, you know. And so, for example, there's still sugar in like the granola cereal I've been buying. And I haven't been just it's not, you know, it's not a conscious thing. It's just an unconscious thing. You know, I'm in a hurry. I'm shopping and I like the food for convenience that I can just 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 throw in a bowl and add some almond milk and and eat it. But because uh, that's another thing is because people simply aren't aware, they're not paying attention. They are doing things without being aware of the benefits or the harms of those things. And so there's a lot that we can attribute to simple unawareness or unconsciousness about what we're doing. Right. Even with drug addiction, we can even, most people would probably go, oh, um, you know, I could, I could do this drug without getting addicted. I can try it. I can experiment. But then they get addicted. So, so they don't really recognize that they actually could get addicted to it. So what they do is they, they, you know, they do the drug thinking that they're experimenting or they think that, you know, they, they, that they're outside of this whole thing where they can actually get addicted to it. And yet they still get addicted. So it, it's, it's the same type of problem. Right. And then even with that, we can also like make the point that, well, you know, if if you're claiming that you have a free will by being able to avoid the addiction, you know, we can remind them that not everybody's able to do that. So in effect, they're claiming that some people have a free will in certain circumstances and other people don't. And that doesn't seem to be a very defensible position. Because then we have to we have to come up with an explanation for why were some people born with free will and others weren't. <laughs> yes, um, just collecting my thoughts. I was going to say there are parallels between this and religious belief. As I, I guess that's one of the things that I often see. I often find parallels between free will belief and religious belief. So um, the way it manifests itself in this case is that you might hear a. Uh, an apologist say something like, uh, well, not an apologist, you might hear uh, a religious person, someone of the Abrahamic faith, a Christian in particular, make a statement such as, you just want to sin. You choose to sin. You are choosing to sin because you like sinning and you want to sin. Why would anyone ever choose to sin if that person believes and knows fully the consequences of sin? If you truly, truly believe that you are going to go to hell, and you know you're only going to live for a few years. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll get to 85. And then you will feel eternal hellfire. Why would you ever choose to sin? You wouldn't. No one would do that. That's stupid. No one would want themselves to be tortured forever. Absolutely no one. We know how, power, how painful torture is. So the same way, right? If someone truly knows how horrible the consequences of a certain act are and that person can truly choose not to do that action and therefore avoid those consequences of course that person would do it on the other hand if the person didn't know the consequences then that person can't be blamed so it's either one or the other either the person 
is completely ignorant of the consequences, in which case it makes no sense to blame them for making a poor choice, or the person is aware but can't stop himself or herself. Logically, those are the only two possibilities. You're absolutely right, Mitch, because e either they don't truly, um, they don't know the consequences that can result from that action, or they know it, but there's still something that's compelling them and making them unable to avoid that action in spite of those consequences they know. Right, or else they wouldn't do it. Well, a third, a third option may be that they simply don't care. Let's say they don't care about themselves or something. But even that, you know, again, regardless of what um, the rationale is for our decisions, we can always ask, well, why don't they care? Why do some people care and other people not care? So, you know, it really... Well, it, go ahead. And, sorry, just, just a really, really short point. But I, I was just assuming that they do care. So, I, so just to clarify this example, we're talking about a situation where someone is addicted and is lamenting the fact that they are addicted and they can't overcome it. They're like upset with themselves and their current state of, of being. Okay, that's all. Exactly, and so then to extend that point to all of us, we kind of assume that we care about doing the right thing. You know, that, that we care about morality. So basically we're saying just the fact that we all acknowledge that we're not perfect, that, you know, we're not able to, you know, constantly always do the right thing even though we want to that should be such a very clear and strong um demonstration to everyone that no we 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 don't have this 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 will you know that, that our our will is not our own yeah it's like mitch said if free will doesn't enable you to do what you want then what is it anyway <laughs> what use is it and if right. someone doesn't care about the consequences, then clearly um, the Christian God would be taking advantage of someone's vulnerabilities there. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, for okay, here's, here's a pretty clear example, right? I am not going to jump off a roof today because I truly, truly believe that if I jump off that roof, I am going to die or even worse, injure myself and have a horrible existence for the rest of my probably short life. A short, a long well, whatever the term is, whatever the lip is, painful experience. Now, if my belief in any other thing, religion, free will, or whatever, if, if my belief is that strong, then the actions I would take would be, would correspond in a similar manner. The same way I wouldn't jump off the roof because I truly, truly believe I will perish or I will be disfigured. Th that's, that's the same way um, that people address... Um, uh, these addictions or the consequences of those addictions. Clearly, you can tell by their actions how strong their beliefs are. That's a it's a very powerful example. Your example about why you're not going to jump off of a roof or whatever that makes perfect sense because your your belief that you will e either die or be seriously injured for life, you know, is what leads away from that. So I think we have to conclude, guys, that either these these beliefs that people claim to have. They're either not truly believing these things, like that if they sin, they'll go to hell, whatever, or there's still something else that's making them do this, even though they don't want to. Right, and, and because our, our, you know, what we've just, you know, demonstrated in, in this podcast, you know, because the, the refutations of free will are so, so powerful, so clear, you know, we've got we've to try to understand 
what is going on in their minds that they so that that you know they need this belief in free will so much that they're they're not capable of of seeing the the uh, the arguments against it. Hey George, remember in our last podcast where we talked about how people they feel that life would have no meaning if they weren't in control and they didn't have free will. Right, and that that's certainly one of them. Yes. And so I think what we really need to do. In a future episode, we really need to cover this whole meaning of life. Where does our meaning of life come from? Because if we can provide a meaning of life that doesn't require us to be in control of everything, then people can still have meaning and they don't need to hold on to free will belief. I think another thing that people kind of confuse is um, whether or not the will is not free or as compared to Mm, if we are not free to do what we will. So, so I think some people think that it's the latter is what, what free will is, that, that we're, you know, we're free to do what we will in, in certain cases, and this is this partial free will that they're thinking of. And we're saying, well, the will itself is not free, so that's the problem we see. So I, I think that's kind, of, that's kind of a conflation that we can kind of address. Um, George's, George's favorite philosopher, Schopenhauer, right? <laughs> All right, we cannot will what yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So, so you know, they're they're kind of bypassing the fact that you know the will is not free, and and just jumping right to, but we're free to do what we will at some points. Like we have a will, and we're sometimes we're able to do what we you know what we will to do. You're right, Trick, and we need to devote in a whole episode to that one. But we actually are about to approach 32 minutes on this episode, so I, it was just getting so intense. So I need to end this one. You've been listening to Free Will Science and Religion with Chandler Klebs, George Ortega, Trick Slattery, Mitch J, uh, Jamie Soden, and David Joseph. So we're going to be covering more topics in future episodes. Thanks for listening and goodbye.